This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing and we have a new Red Crest champion. And I think it was Ric Flair who said to be the man you have to beat the man. It's a little homage there, Mark Jeffries. Big uh big wrestling fan. Well, in the case of Lake Norman, Brian Thrift is the man. And no one was able to beat the man. In fact, Brian Thrift went out on Lake Norman in Redcrest uh, and and pretty much dominated. Uh, and I think he did it in an intentional fashion. Uh, 17, 12, 15, 6, 13, 10, 46, 12 total for, uh, for the, the three days that they did the combined weight. Alton Jones Jr. in second, 42, 6, followed by Edwin Evers. Jacob Wheeler, Matt Lee, Casey Ashley, Dustin Connell, Adrian Avina, Randy Howell, and Ott Defoe. And listen, I was not 100% positive how this format was going to work out going into Redcrest this year. Obviously, MLF and the BPT going with a five-fish format, cumulative weight. And I got to admit, I really like how they did it. I really like how they did Redcrest. They had two days full field, 40 anglers, cut to the top 20, then the weight zeroed. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. The weights are going to zero and it, but then they did three cumulative days. So really what you ended up with was a five day marathon. If you saw the interviews from these guys that they were giving by the end of it, they felt like they'd been through the ringer. Like they, you could tell that they had been in a heavyweight battle and they did three cumulative day weights, which I really liked because if you, and I granted, he might've done things a little bit differently had it just been a one-day shootout. But Thrift doesn't win this thing if it just goes down to, to day three. Like I said, he, neither here nor there. Uh, but great job, Brian Thrift, using a lot of history on Lake Norman to get the job done, $300,000. And I, everyone's saying, listen, Aaron's saying, I see him here, the land of the dinks, not very entertaining. The format was interesting. Listen, guys. I freaking loved it. You know why? Because I like spotted bass and I like Nico wig rigs and wacky rigs and docks and the guys that are trying to figure out how to catch a bigger one. I thought it actually was incredibly entertaining. And I watched more of this red crest than any other red crest that I've watched in the past. So we've got a great show today. I want to get our guest thoughts on this because he has fish in a forest wood cup before, which is well, it has nothing. It's not Red Crest. It is a championship event, though, at FLW before it turned to it. That would be none other than the Bass Tanks, John Sokup. John, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule in between uh, Bassmaster Elite Series events and running like six businesses to jump on BTL for the morning. Yeah, getting ready for the classic. But one thing that's really cool uh, about Brian Thrift is when I was fishing the Costa Championship, there's a little diner on in Paris. Paris Landing there in Kentucky Lake. There's a little yep. diner there. And we didn't know 
until that morning that on day three, everybody that made day three actually qualified for the Force Wood Cup. It was kind of a unique way that the math worked out. And I got on the phone with my wife and I said, hey, I qualified for the Force Wood Cup. And she said, what's that? Another tournament? You know, she has no idea what it is. <laughs> and Brian Thrift was sitting right there and he said, tell her that's $10,000. So that was that was a pretty cool little deal, and I, there's just like a little memory that I have in my life. But I mean, congratulations to Brian! It's about time, right, that he won one of these big deals. Yeah, well, he won the he won the uh, he won the last Forestwood Cup before right. it went away. But uh, you know, for the longest time, he was the guy who hadn't won the championship. And then we we're like, oh, he won the the very last one, and then you had the the split and all sorts of things. But We've seen, and it's interesting, I actually did an episode of uh, The Cull with Dave Mercer on the facts of fishing, and we weren't going to run it for a couple weeks because we, we record a couple in advance on that, and it was, has technology mitigated or neutralized the home lake advantage? Uh, and it's a really, it's a real interesting discussion that we have over it. I, I think it's a hybrid of kind of yes and kind of no. But that's the beauty of the call is you can make your own decision. But then Thrift, who is very adept, very up to date with his electronics, I think you would. Would you agree? I mean, he has like six screens on his boat, doesn't he? Man, I think Brian may be one of those guys that doesn't need it, but can use it when he wants to, but doesn't even need it. You know, that's what he's I'm got saying. That set. But he's with he's uh, he knows his technology and knows how to use it. And he's the best on the lake. Uh, and this was an absolute perfect storm, especially based on the time of the year where, I mean, he went in bar none as the favorite and then came out as the definitive champion with a four plus pound victory. I mean, that that's had to surprise no one. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody thought that he wasn't going to be right there in the mix from the beginning, from the jump. The thing that's about, about Brian that's unique is also – was it just two years ago at uh, Eufaula, uh, the Red Crest Eufaula? Remember how he dominated that thing? I mean, just flat out was mm -hmm. blowing them away. Now, they did some weight clearing and stuff on that deal, and then he ended up running out of fish on the final day, and, and it got taken kind of taken from him. But the way this format comes in, you know, his day one of the cumulative weight, you know, he yeah. pops off like 17 pounds. He just kind of, <laughs> he rode, he rode that 17, 12, you know, all the way to the end. It is. And I think it's interesting. A lot of discussion on going from the every, every fish counts to the big, big bass. And I think, or the top five, your top five fish. And I think this was a perfect example as to why it works. When you go to a spotted bass fishery, we saw Matt Lee, I think catch what a five ten. Uh, Alton Jones Jr. catch a spot over five. Those three plus pound spotted bass were absolutely critical. And you also saw some of the guys also, uh, you know, throwing uh, six plus inch uh, soft swim baits like Magdraft style baits or that the new Berkeley one that's out or the uh, that style bait. You saw uh, glide baits come into play when those guys are hooked up on a three plus pound spot. I think it added to some of that drama because instead of just catching two pound and a halfers, which are very plentiful all across Lake Norman, that now added to the holy cow. He's hooked up on this fish and it's behind a dock post. And this is literally what's going to get him to the championship round because I like the way they did it. They went from 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 40 to 20 and then zeroed it and then went from 20 to 15 and then 15 to 10 and then 10 to uh 
to the ultimate champion. So I thought that was a, a, a really cool way. And like I said, those guys looked tired by the end of the five days. You know how it is to fish for five days. You fished <laughs> in a championship event like that, John. I mean, five days of those decision-making. You've done the Forestwood Cup before. You're zapped after a couple days. I couldn't imagine what five days of that decision-making is like. Oh, 100%. Then that's the that's the cool part about these are the, the top level guys on their game when they're catching them, the decisions, the little bitty decisions are so much more powerful, so much more powerful. All right. Uh, let's get into what has been going on in your world. Listen, I am tired of fielding questions about John Sokup and what happened to the first two elite series tournaments. And so we'll just get that elephant out of the room right away. We had Bradley Hallman on who talked about his uh, first two elite series tournaments. I think he's sitting in 55th, but we've had uh, two under the belt. Your first two. I've now, I haven't even really talked to you uh, about uh, what went down in those two, but uh no checks in the first two, but the good thing is you still have 75, you still have over 80% of the of the schedule ahead of you and only two in well, the rearview mirror. Well, fortunately, Bass decided to pay like some consolation prizes. So I did get a check in the second. Oh, event. did you get a did you get a baby check? <laughs> I got a twenty five hundred dollar check. Oh, okay. There yeah, you go. You're making yeah. money. Just just buddies just <laughs> pouring in for the elite series. Yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah putting your finger in a big old hole that's blowing out. <laughs> no, I mean, as far as what happened, I haven't really talked to anybody about much. It, you know, just uh, a lot of uh, a lot of overthinking, a lot of using my head instead of my gut, um, trying to outsmart uh, the fish kind of deal. Um, Florida, you know, I, I knew exactly what to do. I planned on doing exactly what it took to win, and I literally never went and even tried, never attempted to. Um for whatever reason wait you didn't go scope at all at okeechobee i did but i did it in the wrong canals but i had intended on doing it right where it was one and you can ask bradley even going into it i was like hey man i gotta go check this and i just uh like i said i wasn't i wasn't in the right mental space Mm -hmm. and didn't and didn't uh didn't go try it and so um you know what people also got to understand is that okeechobee's huge (laughs) i mean it's huge and so first day of practice i really got on to some some fish that were biting some swim jigs and swimming baits and uh, like there wasn't a need for me to do much anything else. So by the time day three of practice hit, I, I, I was building off of it and I found the area where a lot of the guys were at and I, and I wanted to start there, but I was really just uncomfortable to mix it up with everybody. And so I tried to stay away from everybody until, until about noon the final day. And I was like, I'm going in. I don't care who's there. And I poke my head in. There's like camera boats everywhere. And I, you know, I caught 15 and a half pounds in about two or three hours. I just, I did the thing that you're not supposed to do. And I went and I just stayed away from everybody. What do you mean you felt uncomfortable mixing it up? Uh, I'm not the guy that enjoys parked lots, parking lots. Like I'm talking about, dude, you park your boat and you're rubbing boats with everybody else. I mean, there's a 40 acre area and there's, 30 40 boats in there um i I just i've got over that now you know you get Mm -hmm. one spanking one time and it's like okay you know and and also you know the cool thing about the elites the thing that uh i wasn't expecting to be is the professionalism in the field like the guys pretty much it was like a come on in to everybody you know i mean we this is what it is and i i really didn't 
you know, I didn't really want to have to deal with that day one, day two. But like I said, by the time day two comes around, and I mean, I caught 10, 15 fish on day one. For some reason, they were just all one pounders. And so my bigger fish kind of disappeared. My moving fish kind of disappeared. And the whole time I'm like, you need to go in with all the boats and just go in. Like, that's what's going on in my head. Or, you know, that's my gut. And I'm just like trying to fight it. And, you know, so lesson, lesson learned there. Wow. I never thought so. Uh, I mean, you learned a valuable r rookie lesson the very first day of competition. I mean, you're, th you're th thrown in and having to make, make on the water decisions that put you in an uncomfortable spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, hindsight, but during that time, I really didn't have lack any confidence. I couldn't figure it out somewhere else. I mean, yeah. I caught fish away from everybody else, but being able to repeat them during the tournament was a different story. It didn't happen. So I think that there's there's fish everywhere, but there's certain areas that just you're going to constantly catch fish in them versus, you know, a spot that's off the wall. You may pull in a certain time, hammer some big fish, but you're not going to repeat that there the next day. Did it feel different? I mean, you've obviously won an NPFL event in Florida. You've uh, top 10 opens in Florida. So it's not like you don't understand Florida or anything. Did it feel different for you in the morning? We know how hard you worked and how singularly your focus was to make the Elite Series once you decided that that is what you wanted to do. What was that feeling like on the first morning idling out with Mercer calling your name? with running to the first spot on Okeechobee with actually making a cast on the elite series. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. That's pretty rewarding. It was a really good feeling. Uh, and then, you know, to top it off, like some icing on the cake, uh, Larry Nixon was the boat in front of me. So oh, wow. like he, he got, he got called in front of me. So, you know, I got to follow out Larry Nixon, the general, um, my first event. So, um, man, there's just a, it's a rewarding feeling. However, however, I got a lot of work to do, man, because I want to stay on the elites. I don't want to get bumped off. So I got to I got to pick it up. You do. Uh, is it true? I mean, do they in the first two? Did they catch it better than you thought they would as far as just holy cow? Like you have to dot your I's and cross your T's to stay up with this group and be 100 percent in because I know you have and we'll get into this a little bit. You have a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, but there's also some elite series guys who have irons in the fire. But in my opinion, you've also been one of the best that I've ever been around at compartmentalizing. 99% of the time, I've only seen that one tournament where you weren't able to compartmentalize. And I think you had a massive project outside going on and you sucked in that tournament. Everything else, regardless of what's going on in the, is that the ethos around you? You've been able, to, I've, I mean, it's amazing what you've been able to do as to far as, as to be focused on it. Did you feel that focus too? Or, I mean, can you tell that the, that there is no outside it? I mean, when it comes to the, no, I've got, I, 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 these first two events, I've had a lot of outside distractions, a lot, a lot, a lot of outside distractions, but um, you know, you get punched in the mouth a couple of times and, and you know, if you're a fighter, you kind of wake up yeah. and that's, that's, that's how I feel after these first two events. Absolutely. The elites catch them. The answer is as a whole, like there is not drops in the field. It's like, you know, there is no room for error. I I didn't catch them, so it wouldn't have mattered. I, I joked around like you could have put me against a bunch of high schoolers and I would have come in last yeah. place at um, on Okeechobee. I just didn't catch them at all. So, but, you know, Seminole, I caught them, you know. That's what I said. It had to feel so, good to make a comeback. At, so Even if it was a baby comeback, but to have a yeah. really good day on the water at Seminole. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it did. I didn't, you know, honestly, I never really, I never really got on them real well at Seminole. So Seminole, I showed up, I started live scoping first thing. First thing, day one of practice, I caught like two six pounders back to back. And I called Brad, I was like, oh, dude, I figured it out already. Like, this is going to be my thing. And so I ended up spinning and I ended up having a giant as well, like a mega giant. Um, and, and I'm like, well, I got it kind of figured out. And after about two days of, of practice and kind of chasing areas, uh, I didn't pre-scout anything either. So both mm-hmm. these are both my first time on these waters, both times. Um, I realized right away that the fish were kind of going down to the bottom, and I was losing touch with with just being able to go out and live scope, you know, with a jerk bait that is, and and just come across big fish. So day three of practice, uh, Bradley and I both decided to kind of go up in the river, and we came across some fish some pretty good fish which is by takeoff by the way so um i i, I pull in a pocket and just with a chatterbait catch two five and a half females big old bellies eggs and and i'm like okay they're gonna go in these pockets and spawn and by the end of the day you know we're coming across beds tons of fish on beds and stuff so you can see this starting to happen so day one of the tournament i decided to go in that you know because it's like five minutes from takeoff slide in and about an hour and 45 minutes of being in the area where I caught those big fish, I catch a 713 on a frog. And <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know I can go down and catch a bunch of two and three pounders, but man, if I get four more bites like this, you know, this is how you make a run at it. And so that's what I did. I swung. I mean, I kept on throwing bigger baits, frogs, and just the chatterbait thing and doing the things that I'd seen the, the consistent five pound plus bite on. And after about four and a half hours in, man, I've only got one fish in the box, but it's a seven, you know, seven twelve or seven thirteen, whatever it was. And so, uh, you know, I had to kind of scramble, and I scrambled down lake, you know, went into the timber and caught a limit real quick. And uh, but they were dinks. I didn't give myself very much time, so they were really, really tiny. I thought I had eleven pounds, but when I went into the way, and it was high for you know fourteens, mm-hmm. which had me right at that cut line. Um, so, so day two, it was kind of, uh, you're in a situation where, you know, you got to kind of, usually most tournaments, you know, at the cut line, if it's 14 pounds, you basically add 14 pounds and then what, like subtract a pound, right? It's kind of how, yep. but that's not how it's really works on the elites, man. It's pretty much, <laughs> they get you better. Add, you add Yeah, they do. You have to add a pound. So I'm like, okay, I need 15 pounds. I need three pounder average. So I went back to practice in day two. I, I, I went, now I rotated a bunch of stuff that I'd already kind of caught fish around, but I went, um, man, I started, I frogged in the morning with no, no, no bites. I chatterbaited for another hour with no bites. I went flipping. Uh, I did not go into the areas where they were bedding that I knew they were bedding because Bradley was in there. And I just didn't, you know, I was trying to be kind of respectful of that area. So I really didn't go looking for the sight fish. Um, but then, man, uh, I had a longer day, thankfully, on day two. So I went, I went down to the dam, did some shaky head stuff, caught a couple fish doing that. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to pull out the, you know, the jerk bait and go live scoping. So I went live scoping for about an hour and a half, caught my limit, which gave me another three pounder. So now I got like two, three pounders and the rest are twos. Uh, so then I went, decided to go sight fishing. And I mean, I was, you know, looking for new areas. So for about an hour, I went sight fishing and finally got myself up in the pads and decided to swim in a worm. And in the last hour, I caught like, you know, I called like four or five times in the last hour. 
And if I had had, I felt like if I had had like 30 more minutes to an hour, I think I could have squeezed in that 50 cut. But I, so I ended up stumbling into it, figuring out what I needed to do uh, to do better. But by the time I did both Okeechobee and on Seminole, um, it was literally the last hour, the last day of the tournament is just too late. And so the difference between when you're fishing well and when you're, you know, kind of fishing is when you're fishing well, you listen to your gut early on and that stuff triggers early in the tournament, typically, right? You know, or at least midday, you kind of figure it out, not towards the very end. And so I think just uh, I, I get, came back home and spent a lot, a little bit of time on the water, getting tuned back in and just getting my mind right and getting some things, being able to learn, get my mind where I can compartmentalize, like you're saying. And I feel pretty strong right now. So hopefully we can get tuned in the fish a little bit faster in the next event. Time on the water. I mean, you can't, you can't, it's weird yeah. and it's hard to look at it as fishing. I do the same thing in the opens. I think a lot of guys do, but you can't expect a major league baseball player without spring training to just come in and hit a fastball or a PJ tour guy to come in and shoot 65 or a hockey guy to come in off season without any training. But because fishing, it doesn't look, you know, there's no dis distinction on that. I'm guilty of it too, especially depending on how busy you are. You come in and you don't realize that those decision makings aren't as sharp as they are mid season. And you don't even realize that you're making them. I think that's kind of what you were saying there is you need time on the water. And had, had you been in peak mid season form, maybe you figure out that stuff midday, day one, instead of last hour, day two. Yeah, you know, I can look back and I can hear it in my head. Like, I li I literally ignored my gut the entire time, both tournaments, until the very end. And then I was like, okay, just go do it. And and I was trying to, like, outsmart my gut. Mm -hmm. And that's just a situation you just never want to be in as a fisherman. And I've, and I've fished for years by listening to my gut. So, you know, I, maybe a little bit of the nerves, a little bit of the pressure of the desire to stay on the elites and stuff like that so much. And to perform at a high level, expectations to perform, you know, had me trying to use use my brain more than you more felt than nerves. My gut. Like you legit felt nerve. I didn't know you were capable of that, John. <laughs> Not shaky nerves, but the but definitely the kind where you know you're trying to negotiate with yourself. Are you going to do what you think's right or what your gut's telling you? And I decided to do what I thought was right instead of what my gut was telling me to. And so that's the lesson, the re, the lesson relearned. I don't know how many times as a fisherman you relearn that Until we to die. follow your gut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We are talking with, uh, and this is the first time I've said it on the show with elite series pro John Sokup. Uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff to, to get into today. We have some, uh, viewer questions. We have some, some hellacious deals, uh, over at the bass tank. Uh, and we also have some upcoming regional tournaments in the ozark area that we're going to talk with but first we're going to take our first break of the morning with john sokup elite series pro from the bass tank we will be back on a monday post red crest monday march 13th right after this btl the new puma sts has been redesigned from the ground up with the angler design function and performance in mind nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. 
industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water that runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down range. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water membrane brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5 x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting strap we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down elite series pro daryl gleason here my Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatandRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Monday, talking with John Soka from the Bass Tank. Now, John, you're also a uh, alum, a, is it alumni, alumnus of the Oklahoma Bass Nation? Yeah, uh, and you saw proud the, one. a proud one. I, I know, I am too. I'm glad I did the nation. I might even jump into some nation stuff this year to try to get to the level that you are you're currently at. You tend to accelerate past people when you put your mind to something qualifying for the elite series was one of that but i'm sure did you see where uh brock who's the uh general manager of the shoreline boat and rv in tulsa there i mentioned this on the show last week but brock and jacob won the freaking nickels last week yeah i did see that which which is cool brock ain't no little boy but he's one of my fishing kids you know when I wait 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 youth, what he, i was one of the state the fishing state youth director for a couple years and I started a club up in Stillwater before it went into high schools. And he was one of my kids. Austin was one of my kids. Like Jacob that works for us here was one of my kids. Trevor Yates, Wyatt Smith, all the, a lot of those guys. And so Brock Inmeyer was one of my fishing kids. 
He was never little, but yeah. <laughs> he, he was a oh, kid at one point. He's at the gym all the time now. He's almost gay. He's yeah. almost getting me to work out where I mean he's 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 cashed some serious checks this year already. Uh I had this discussion and then I mentioned I wanted to do a show about it and it kind of blew up as to what what the most competitive team team trail. We're not talking about a single one-off tournament, but the most competitive team trail in the country is. And I wanted to kind of put together a list of five or six uh, of the most competitive team trails, but the Nichols team trail would have to be in the top five across the country as most. Would you not agree? Yeah, it has to be just based surely off of the, 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 the field size alone. It's got to be the largest field size. And then you got the Texas team trail and then you got the, the Alabama bass trail. Yeah, the um, ABT, the Triple T, uh, the Nichols. I know that there's uh, there's a there's a number of really really good team trails out there, and I'd like to. I need to get a rep. I want to get a representative. I know uh, I had I've had a couple DMs from guys. Hey, I'll I'll represent so and so trail uh, at this trail. But I think if we could get a representative from on and then just have a Royal Rumble as to whose trail is the most competitive. Cause I was on, they're like, Oh, well we've had, you know, uh, Jordan Lee and Greg Vinson and Jamie Horton and all that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, well Nichols has Jason Christie and Terry butcher and blah. And I've got, you know, James yeah. Elam and John Sokup and I'm going down the list, Zach Burge and down the list. And he's like, Oh, I totally forgot about so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like, Holy cow. Almost all these guys who are now household names at the top level of the sport started by, really cutting their teeth and having success at these high, you know, $20,000 win a boat four or five tournaments a year on two or three fisheries across the state. I think that's the, and that's how I kind of got, I think that's such a cool element to tournament fishing that we don't really talk a lot about on this show are the high end team tournaments that, I mean, dude, that's like some of my best memories. I've got it on the wall here in the studio, the boat number for when we we've done well in the past. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna do well at one point in time. I didn't get to fish those a lot, a lot, a lot. But Billy Lemon and I were gonna fish those together at one point. We were fishing, and I think we fished like two, and we were doing okay. And then, you know, like always, work got in the way. It was like when close to a summer term, I had to lay some tile or something. And then Billy get, I, I, I need need to fill in. So I set Corey Smith up uh, to fish with Billy Lemon. And they roll out there and catch a 13 pounder and win the nickels <laughs> that weekend that I didn't go. Wait, you and were so the you were supposed to fish supposed with to Billy the, the day he caught the 12 12. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I got I got relegated to the, the bench. <laughs> I never got asked yeah, to that's, that's fair. <laughs> Him and Corey, they fell in love. They caught a 12 12. Yeah, no, that was so there's some cool memories and, and stuff of those events too. A lot of good fishermen. That's fair. Uh, while we're talking about other tournament trails, you have been the face of the National Professional Fishing League for the last couple of years, just strictly on your performance. Uh, you've had a lot of camera time on that. Uh, two wins, uh, competed for the Angler of the Year both years. Uh, little redesign this year. I don't know if you're where you stand, if you're in a position to talk about that, but I mean, dude, you yeah. are a great product of the MPFL now on the Elite Series, along with... Uh, uh, I. Bryant Bryant Smith from California. Bryant, Bryant, Bryant Smith and David Gaston. And and yeah. David Gaston there in Alabama. Uh they're about to kick off their 
third season uh, on Pickwick. A little bit different format, a little bit bigger prize. Did it cross your mind to fish that? What are your thoughts on what's going on with the MPFL this year? And, dude, they keep defying the odds just when you hear, (laughs) what do you mean the tournament's blown out or there's not a chance? And then they come back and reboot, and you're like, okay, this thing is rock solid and is going to roll into a third season. Yeah, no, I, I would. Uh, it was hard. It's hard for me not to be there right now. Uh, I'm, you know, the Bass Nation, the NPFL. These are great organizations that have helped me become the angler that I am, and I enjoy and I love being a part of the NPFL. Uh, unfortunately, due to some of their, you know, some of the challenges that they've had over the first two years. One of the challenges that they had was getting their schedule out there. People were saying, well, you know, they don't have the schedule out. They don't have the schedule out. And so they needed to know what kind of field size they were going to have for investment sake. You know, I mean, you know, and so with that being said, they decided to make their schedule way in advance. So their schedule came out prior to Bass's uh, Elite Series coming out. So when that did come out, there was two major conflicts for me. One was a direct conflict and the other was more of a travel conflict. That would have, you know, I would have had to take like <clears throat> two boats to make it happen, that kind of thing, which isn't an impossibility, but it just probably wasn't the right decision for me to do year one. So very interested in fishing again with them next year. Hopefully I can catch them on the elites a little bit better and get more confidence in there so I can focus. And then two, hopefully they can work out a, a, a deconflicting decon- schedule that will allow us to do that. If I saw it right, I think that they're doing something unique at the weigh-ins where they're going to be like live with Luke and Fat Cat and then talk to the anglers as they basically come off stage. So it's kind of like an interactive weigh-in slash interview deal. Yeah, I saw something on that too. I don't I don't know much about that. That's kind of something that's popped up in the last week or mm-hmm. something, uh, an idea, which I think has always been good. Uh, year one, Luke and Fat Cat were there, you know, with the on fishermen location. A lot, on location a lot. And there's there's some morale and stuff that um, there's just a good feeling when that's going on. I've always been for that. And I think, you know, because of financial reasons, I mean, that's a lot of travel and, okay. you know, having a having a uh, whether you're in studio or being able to do, you know, on the road studio, I think to save costs. That's why they were in Wisconsin on year two. So I don't know how they're going to do it here this year. Hey, you called me before the year started and you were like, does this, you're, you're asking about numbers and where I just have done stuff for the past. And it, it was all revolved around elite series analytics. Are you, have, have are you doing that this year? Are you yeah, I, I going real I deep did. into the analytics? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't able to do it before the first event. So my first event, I'm literally installing C deck the day before the tournament. Like I'm, I just, I never had got, uh, I'd never had an opportunity to really mentally focus on the first event. So part of that reset coming back was like getting back to the, like, how do I reset? Well, one of the things that I do, and you've been around me for a long time to know this, is I, I study the the analytics of, uh, of fishermen's results, of tournaments that we're going to, all the above. There's mainly two things that I study heavily. And that is what kind of weight that it's going to take to win the tournament um, or 10th place or to cash a check. So I really average a lot of those out. But also, I just enjoy statistics. I like to know in the standings, like where you're at, what is it going to take to continue to requalify? 
how do these laws and rules work with the elites? And to be honest with you, it was kind of confusing. And a lot, a lot of people don't know about how the elites actually work. Um, and I've been just finding this out just recently, like within the last two weeks. I can, if you want, I can kind of go in depth a little bit about what I'm learning on that. But you know, the, the, when you when you bomb an event, 94th was my first finish. Uh, the first thing that's going through my mind is, like, oh my gosh, you're like, like, well, you get a free year. Well, not, not really. You know, I mean, you're not going to get kicked out on year two, but uh, if you have a bad average, then it's 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 going to hurt you. So, yeah, exp- explain how that works as far as not only just to qualify for the classic, but to make sure in two years you're not right back where you started two years prior. <laughs> yeah, I'm back hanging out in the opens, like maybe driving past each other. As Matt goes to the elites, I'm going back to the opens. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, so this is how this is how it works. You asked about the classic. That one's pretty easy. I think that's like top forty, right? Yeah, depending on depending on double qualifiers, it sometimes goes down to forty two, forty three. Yeah, yeah. So you're guaranteed. You're one year average. Yeah, one year average. End of the season. If you finish in the top forty, you go to the classic. Now, if double qualifier means if you've also fished in the opens or anybody's fished in the opens and wins an open they get they use that as their classic berth and it goes back down the list so it keeps going down the elites uh, at the end of the year aoy finish so like you said it can go down to 41 42 43 i mean i guess he besides this first event you go all the way to 48 i mean if yeah the next eight series were won by by elites there's usually a couple of them two or three that are won by an elite guy um, but that wasn't really the thing that was interesting the most what I was really trying to get in is how, how does the elite field exist? How do they keep it going? What's the overflow? And that's been a process. It looks like over the last few years of them developing. And I don't know when was the, when was kind of the split? Was that a 18 been, or something? Uh, 2019. 19. So since then, you know, they only had like 88 anglers at that point. And they've had some votes and they've had some decisions and, and I'm not been a part of any of that. So this is just facts I'm throwing at you. Bass has decided that they're going to keep around a hundred boats on the elite series. So they have allowed it to kind of build up. Uh, we have 104. Now what they do is a hundred is their number, but that does not include any exemptions. So we had two medical exemptions and they had two legacy exemptions. So uh, Larry Nixon. Um, was one of them uh yeah was was one of them and i think david fritz is 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 the is the other now to get a legacy exemption you have to have you get one point of a legacy exemption if you win an aoi or one point if you've won a classic so there's guys that have multiple years of legacy exemptions like a rick clun you know ah so that way you can if you're outside of that you can use it so if you have four classic titles just random number there you have four legacy exemptions. If you have two or three angler of the years or, okay, I see what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that element of it. So they can use that legacy exemption multiple times until they've ran out. Okay. That. Now that hasn't been exercised yet or anything like that, but you know, like a Mike Iaconelli, he's got a classic win, right? Um, he qualified on his own merits without using that legacy exemption. Right. So, you know, a, a lot of people may wonder, well, why did he do that? And, you know, I think he's the kind of guy that's like, I want to prove it to myself. I get that, too. But also, mathematically, hey, man, if you oh, can qualify and not, and not use it, 100%. Yeah. 
because yeah. he would have had to use it if he hadn't qualified through the open and then he wouldn't have had yeah. one in his back pocket. So this is guaranteeing, ah, that's brilliant. I never it's, even thought of that, John. It's not a, it's a non-refundable coin, man. Once you turn yeah. it in, it's not like they give it back to you. So, so here's, here's a little bit of what they're doing now. And I don't know when they change the rules or when they're, you know, I don't know any of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know people get all in the weeds about the frustration on that side of things. I'm just reporting on the facts that I'm studying because of how it affects me right now, right now, next, this year, all the rookies get two years. They get two years. Uh, But at the end of next year, so at the end of 2024, I'll just report for this year. Anybody that's not in the top 70 at the end of the year or above, everybody that's in 70th place or above, they automatically qualify for the next year. So the question is 71st through 104th, right? What they do at that point, because you've got, what, 10 new guys coming in? You'll have nine. nine No, you'll have 10. Yep. Yep. Nine from the Opens and one from the Bass Nation. Correct. Is that right? Yep. Now, so there's 10 coming in. So there's going to be 10 cut at the end of this year. What they do is they take 71st through 104th and they average out their career average finishes in AOI. But there's another part of it. For every five years they fished, they get a drop a score. So if you fish for f- 15 years, you get to drop your three worst scores. Correct. And now, if, you're not included in that if you're a rookie because you automatically get a second year. But your average, if you're in that, really screws you going into that second year. Correct. So you could finish, I mean, it, you could finish in 90th place. There's 104 guys. There's a couple of legends below you, and there's a group of rookies below you. You're still going to get cut. They're going to work up the, up the, up the line. and. So you really, it's, you could finish 65th or 70th and be like, well, yeah, I mean, look at this average. There's, there's so many guys below me, but because of the new rookies coming in, because of the legends exemption and because of all of the averages, you really have to finish higher than you think you do to stay in that top 70 after two years. Right. You could finish in 71st place be the highest of that 71 out of 100 through 104, but have the worst, you know, two year average, or if you fish for five years, five years, whatever it is, you could have the worst average and you're the one getting cut. So here was, and I don't know if they're still doing this. This was, I think the sticking point when they had the smaller elite series fields. And I think like 19 and 20 is you had a guy, uh, you could not finish below like 78 or 81st or whatever it was. Well, now you can finish 80 to 100. So their averages were higher because they weren't averaging. They were taking their finish, right? So let's say there are 75 guys and you finished dead last. That's a 75th place finish. But then the following year, if there were 80 guys, the guy who finished 76th was basically getting punished because they weren't averaging the percentage of the field they were beating. They were just taking their finish. Are they still doing that? There's or is that still things. gray? No, yeah, it's just it's it, you. I guess we'll use the word gray area, but it's literally your finish right now. I there's a couple things in studying this that seems like statistically would be more quote unquote fair to the fishermen. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not knocking. Like I said, I'm not knocking Bass's decisions. Yeah, you I'm just want to figure out what the heck you need to do to stick. Yeah, yeah. But the two things that I saw that seems like mathematically be a little bit more fair would be if they took your average finish compared to your field size. So let's say you finished 90 out of 100. That's 90 percentile, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you finished 70th out of 88, you know what I mean? You're or the year that or you know out of 80, 72 out of 80, for example, that's 90 percentile. So those would seem equivalent, right? But the way they're doing it, 72 is a higher score than a 90. So there's some guys that are getting some bumps because of those lower mm-hmm. field sizes. Um, like I said, those are just percentages. But also the other thing that I was thinking of as I was kind of going down through here is like, well, like look at Bradley Hallman, for example. Yeah, that's what was my well, next I call, question. I, I called Bradley and I was like, hey, man, like these rules say career average. He's like, what? It's like he's had basically two different Elite Series careers. And, you know, Bradley will sit here and tell you those stories about when, you know, bass fishing ruined his soul kind of thing. That, that yeah, he, thing was be- he, he wasn't weighing fishing. He was dropping fish. And who would have thought <clears throat> that 10 years later or more than 10 years, um, he was going to be potentially paying for that by, you know, those points. Now, he will get a drop score pretty quickly. Um, and that will definitely be the year that he has a drop score. But you are a different fisherman 15 years from you were 15 years ago. So what it would seem like to me they could do potentially is like year one through five, that average is weighted heavier than your year six through 10. And then thus again, even more heavier than your year 11 through 15 and 16 through 20, you know, like, like a, like a weighted, like a weighted scale. Um, and you can still have drop scores and everything in in that if you did it that way. But I say all that in my ignorance. I don't know all the backdrop of why yeah. they decided what they decided. I was just looking through. I'm a statistical nerd. I love the math. I was the kid that, like, when I had a Nintendo before they they saved stats, I'd pause the game at the end and I'd write down all my stats, like Reggie or Michael Jordan. Yeah, and I'd have all these stat pages. Oh, that's awesome. Because they didn't, you know, remember Nintendo didn't keep the standing the stats back then. So like fresh new game and like i was like you know through the season so that's that's just a part a little bit who i am that's a little bit how i engage i do the same thing with my tackle i over i over tweak my tackle and a lot of it just has to do with getting your mind and mentally preparation it doesn't have anything to do with my tackle not being already ready it's just the getting you know in the moment if you will yeah. I'd venture to say over 50% of the guys fishing the elite series have no idea how they requalify, what they do, what the points, what anything means. Like they're just out there fishing. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's a lot of study. And so, you know, I reached out to Bass and it looks like, you know, like it seems like in about, it sounded like in about a month or so, they give us kind of an update and let us know where we're at. But I just started building my own spreadsheet. And I mean, it's going to take me a couple days, uh, but go back through everybody sees, you know, career, career finishes and just build my own spreadsheet. So I kind of know where I'm at. This is the maddening thing about fishing. You've got guys who, who obviously uh, have made it to the top level. You're talking about spreadsheets and career. And then you have Brandon Polinick who swears that he has never looked at a angler of the year standing sheet over the, the last 15 years, except when the season. Yeah, well, and it both works. Added, it's, it's both he's, works. He's off. He's also averaged like a fourth or fifth place finish in AOI for the past five or six years. So like, you know, when you're finishing that high, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. All right. Off the water. Uh, you got a lot of stuff going on at the bass tank. Uh, it is 
March Madness. Yeah. You come up right? with all the names for these deals. You guys oh, have some I hilariously do. named deals. I do. I do. That's a, that's part of the fun I like about, you know, marketing. Yeah. Right, what's going on at what's what's what, just a synopsis. What are, what are we looking at at the Bass Tank here? What can I mean, people the, pay attention to? The the biggest deals we got a 93 SV with the GT54 transducer gets ultra high definition downside uh traditional sonar for like 699. So that's so, this right here. Right. Right. And then so right next to it is the deal of the century on uh live scope bundles. So it was like, what's the cheapest way to get in a live scope? This is the cheapest way out there on the market. It's eighteen hundred dollars, nine nine inch unit and that's and everything you need to that is everything you need to yep. have Unless live scope want, on your but this is this the exact same system that I ran for the last three years. This was your start this is your startup system. Yeah. Well it was yep. also my system in nineteen twenty, twenty one and twenty two. This is the first year <laughs> of the upgrade. And yours was like back then. It was like a three thousand dollar deal. I I yeah. literally walked in. I know ne- I will, will never forget this. I walked in and I gave you like twenty eight hundred dollars in one hundred dollar bills. I mean, I paid full out for it, and now it's seventeen nine ninety eight. Well, for nine ninety nine. I mean, well, I mean, they're they're running out. They're running out fast. Those special deals. They're running out fast. So less than two grand. You're in the live scope. Yep, you're in the game and you're fishing like Brian Thrift. Jacob and that's Wheeler. the black box. The next day, <laughs> the nine inch screen, which, like I said, I've used a nine inch screen for the last four years. Now, upgrading to the 10 inch screen was amazing. And I wish I had upgraded to the 12 inch screen. And then I was like, ooh, I see guys with 16 inch screens. And then that N, what is it? NP, that dude, did you see the guy that idled past at the open who had the 26 inch or 24 inch screens? Yeah, they got those big screens. <laughs> Did you see that? In the, no, I didn't. Oh, you I've weren't there. Him. I didn't. They, they were. He yeah. was in the gallery. He was in the picture. He was sitting on the side. I keep forgetting you didn't fish the open. The dude had like a twenty-six inch screen. Two of them. It was ridiculous. <laughs> How does that work? Is that like an independent screen that then like they have some system that? There is an independent screen. There is an independent screen out there that works like through an HDMI outlet with each other. And then there's there's also literally Garmin has some eighty six hundred series that, that go up to twenty two, twenty four and I don't know about twenty six, but twenty two and twenty four. Twenty, twenty two and twenty four inch screens. So oh, I got my eighty eighty six sixteen. So I got a sixteen on my boat. But okay. you have to you have to you have to create your own brackets and things like that to be able yeah, to use it. That seems all right. So that is that is the March Madness, I guess, deal of the month. Yeah. It will probably be gone pretty soon. So yeah. All right. And then uh and then what else do we have? What else do you have down there too? A lot of gar you guys do all three Garmin, Hummingbird, and Lorenz. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, have- we're definitely known we're definitely known for our Garmin um stock and things like that. But you know, your power harnesses. You know, people are installing, you buy a brand new kit like that. We got single harness and then we got a double harness. Single harness is like $199. It comes with all the connections and breakers and things that you need. Uh, the, the dual harness does, you know, two different sets of units. So you can run one to your console and then one up, one up front. So if you're just like into rewiring. All right. This is the question right here. All right. You guys have, have trolling motors and you, you run a Garmin trolling motor with the electronics too. Yes. Which is 
brushless. I run Lawrence, Garmin, and Minkota, <laughs> Minkota up front. And then you see all the guys that are running the three different units up front, which thankfully, you know, lithium batteries help that out big time with the ability to uh, uh, right. to run all that with the power and then the power harness. Code BTL at ProGuideBatteries.com if you guys are interested for 10% off. You Bass Tank is also a distributor yeah, of and there's Pro actually, Guide Batteries. There's actually a big uh, Pro Guide sale going on right now as we speak. Oh, really? So they, could, they could probably tap into both of those, yeah. Let me see. Is it... Is it on the Probably might have been a red crest. This day might be the last day today. Oh, okay. All right. Uh trolling motor. What do you, do you know anything? I mean, you're in this game. Do you know anything about the power pole trolling motor that came out? And then also, the yeah, uh, that thing's been in production since uh Larry Nixon was a rookie. So I don't, I know a few, few, a few, few items that probably everybody knows. I know it's a little bit more expensive. It's going to be close to a $5,000 trolling motor. Oh, wow. Uh, I, know, I know it's got a revert brushless. I know it's brushless. I know it's got a reverse option on there. So that's something that's unique. Um, and th those are probably the, the main things that I know about. I haven't touched it, seen it, felt it. We got we got a few of them on order. Um, we got in on a little, little order, early order deal. So we'll have some in our hands soon. Okay, pairing, whether you're running uh, Ghost with Active Target, whether you're running the, I don't know the name of the Garmin trolling motor, the Force? Yep. With uh, Panoptics Live Scope, or I guess it would be the Minkota Humminbird would be their, their pair, correct? Mm -hmm. We're seeing this a lot more in the industry of guys who are pairing their trolling motor to their electronics what are in your opinion you've you've probably been in the boat with all of them with what you do i would imagine what are the advantages of say having the garmin trolling motor and garmin electronics or the lorance trolling motor and lorance electronics are you getting a massive advantage with these things working together or is it just like hey i'm all garmin i'm all lorance i'm all minkota home oh i mean dude if you've ever knocked off a transducer that was meant on the body of your, your trolling motor which we all have or knocked it sideways or knocked it off. The advantage is like, I have not destroyed a transducer one since I've got a built in transducer from the force. So those are, those are your plug and play simple answers for, for all of the above for all the brands. But I mean, is my, is, is my live scope going to work better with a Garmin trolling motor or is my active target going to work better with, no. A ghost trolling motor? Not 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 yet. There's nothing there's nothing that's now there's some things with the Lawrence when it comes to the, the three sixty thing that you'd have to work with its trolling motor. There is some uh features that they have to work coincide together. But when you're just talking about regular forward shooting sonar, you're not gonna gain anything as of yet, because the transistor's mounted separately, it's mounted on the shaft, you're not gaining anything. So I think there's probably some uh, arguments, uh, not some arguments. I mean, there's definitely some troll motors that work better with forward shooting sonar than, than other troll motors. 100% there is. Has nothing to do with, has, has nothing to do with the internals. Has everything to do with like Ultrex jumps. Doom, 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 yep. doom. That's extremely annoying. You could try and live scope. Um, the ghost doesn't have a head that turns. So you have to look at your calibration so you're more inaccurate. 
and the force the head moves so you're able to look where you're looking and it, and it doesn't jump so it's real smooth it's real smooth and both of the ghost and um the force are brushless so they're you know a lot more quiet um as well so what exactly does to, brushless mean john well in, in the head in the head in the head it's not running off of brushes so like um the best way to describe it is when you put stuff on the, the ultrex and you feel the grinding in the head and the motor those are the brushes working so you're gonna get like i mean i don't know i don't want to exaggerate anything but you're gonna get like two or three times the lifespan on your battery with those brushless trolling like um the power needed the power you get from it the quietness of it there's just a lot of benefits to to that system and obviously they're all going to it um you know power pole working on theirs as well i've seen some cool videos on the power pole move uh of them running that thing through just gobs of weeds and stuff and just plowing right through it that's so what how did not over not overheating so it helps you not overheat the brushless you know it won't overheat as easy things of that nature so how is it that motor guides looks like you could have a small city in the head and power pole literally looks like a pole in the yeah, head I don't know. Mode. I don't know. I mean, I haven't broken it open to look at myself. I think that literally that might have been the look that they were trying to go for. Okay. I just, I don't understand that stuff on the, on the troller motor. Like I find something that I like uh, or that I've used, uh, used to, I wouldn't even say like used to, which is I've had, I really like the Ultrex. Uh, and it's, it's becoming, especially with the forward facing technology, your trolling motor, your pedal, your tension, how the head moves is becoming incredibly customized to where you can't be as effective when you just jump in someone else's boat as you are with yours once you get that. And I think that's also the start of the year is the guys who have every one is just a little different. Would you agree with that? It's hard to jump in someone else's boat and be as effective as you are in yours because of yeah. how customized the trolling motor, the tension, the differences are. 100%. All right, we're going to take our final break of the show when we come back. A really cool uh, tournament coming up, SAP and Bass, a nonprofit tournament on (laughs) on Table Rock. I think you guys are – I think the Bass Tank, is Pro Guide involved in that too a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I want to get get your take on that. And then I also want to talk about – you have a lot of – and we've never talked about this on the show. It's always just, oh, we have accessories and things. I want to talk about how like the accessories come to life because I use the uh, Guardian, the new LiveScope Guardian, and then I realize I've got like six of the Bass Tank accessories on it. And I want to know how that comes to be because it, I mean, I've talked to you a little bit about it and it seems like a mix between like concept development and a massive headache to get everything to get everything in. So uh, John Soka, BTL on a Monday. We will be back right after this. Great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year, catches fish all over the country, and I think it's gonna catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. 
That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig the type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision making process no matter if you prefer one two or three graphs up front Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. All right, welcome back. Monday, BTL. It's cold. I'm trying to decide. I'm trying to decide if after the show I take care of some business and then I go out crappie fishing, John. I think uh, we got some wind and rain Wednesday and Thursday, so like heavy winds, you know, like 30 or 40 mile hour winds. So you might you might do that today or tomorrow. Because they should technically nice. be rolling. I mean, they should be biting with the front system coming in, right? Like those crappie, I feel like are very sensitive to what is going on, like pressure wise and weather wise. No? I think we Am can I make wrong? Them bite whenever. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I'm it not you, be, so <laughs> they should be smashing. You could say if I if I'm wrong, you could just be like, no, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, it should be good. It should be good. Nice calm weather. You get out there, you should be able to find them suspended. Cool weather too. Yeah, should be good. I'm doing it. For I'm sure. gonna drive to the secret lake and I'm gonna catch some giant crappie after the show. Uh, I probably <laughs> won't get out there till like one, but I think today is daylight savings time. So yeah, plus that one o'clock time period is the best time period to be out there. Yeah. 
right. Uh, I want to ask you, like I said, I heard you were part of this. You mentioned it. I saw the flyer for the SAP mm-hmm. and Bass event that is coming up in May on Table Rock Lake, right? Yeah, it's May 13th. And uh, Table Rock, which is kind of a unique team tournament deal. Uh, you know, there's a guaranteed $15,000 for second place, but the winner gets a, a C-Arc and a 250 show Yamaha. So, you know, it's nothing to, nothing to, to scratch off, man. It's a really, yeah. really well, it's good opportunity. Anytime you can win a boat. Yeah. Brings the yeah. people out. So what boat you guys are, are, uh, Bass Tank is a, a sponsoring yeah. that event too? Yeah. Yeah. We're affiliate sponsor with them as well. Pro guide as well. So, uh, there is a pre-registration like the 17th well you can kind of go on now and register you just get a link but you the official registration doesn't start until the 17th so you know they're anticipating a 200 boat field so uh, which is one in payday. four boat payout <clears throat> bass master mm-hmm. one in four boats imagine that holy cow 25 percent payback to the field that should just be standard across the board should it not john <laughs> but yeah you could check yeah. that out sap and bass s-a-p-p like tree sap with a are there two p's in sap tree sap no uh, i don't know i'm not a very good speller, S-A-P. s-a-p-p and yeah. bass like whoo jumping bass sap and bass because i know when i was talking to you about it i was like it's what and you're like sap sap <laughs> but check that out if you're in the area the ozark area that time of the year too can be really western on table rock you're still going to have some late spawners you're going to if the water comes up you're going to have fish in bushes you're going to have post spawners on dock posts the swim bait bite's going to be insane you're going to have some offshore fish you're going to be able to go down the bank with a horny toad and a whopper plopper that is when that lake is the most fun to fish ever agreed yes yes i wish i could fish it yeah, like you'll have 12 and a half pounds and you'll be last, but you will have a fantastic time. <laughs> yeah. All right, last uh, last year we were big on the... Uh, oh, see if I can reach it. We were big on the sonar cleaner. You still have that stuff? Oh, uh, the screen cleaner, yeah. Man. Screen it's, cleaner. It's my, favorite, it's my favorite thing to hand out to people and be like, try this. And every time they're like, oh my goodness. Like, you never understand how easy it is to clean your screens with that and with our rag that comes along with it. It's, it, it smells amazing too, by the way. So like, uh, we, I even put it in my windshield of my car, my truck, you know, so yeah, stuff I, is, stuff is amazing. I want to say 2021 was the year of the live scope, uh, or the active target guardian transducer protector. I want to say 2022 was the year of the bass tag screen cleaner. what little little thing to make your life easier is 2023 going to be known for when it comes to can we call them are they called accessories yeah we just call them our original products but yeah they're accessories accessories. do we have a 2023 accessory you know one of the coolest one we've never talked about was one of my first ones we designed was just a lift kit for your four four pedal so like you know all you got all these recessed four pedals but all these troll motors are coming out with different thicknesses of pedal. And so you put the pedal down inside and it's like, you're sinking like an inch sometimes. So we got a, a lift kit for your foot pedal. So if your foot pedal, you want it a little bit higher, you want it to be more flush, 
Uh, we've got we've got a lift kit that you can wear on that. So what is that under? Where would I what would I look to find that so I can show it? Uh, should be just lift kit, bass tank lift kit. Uh, there's the cushion. Hold on, let me search. Let me see if the search tab. Oh, there it is. There she is. She's been around for a little bit. We just haven't. That's not a very sexy picture. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh... No, it's not. But that's it's not. We can do a better way of doing. Oh, it's uh, sold out right that. now. You're you got to do the back order thing. But that is to get your trolling motor pedal up off of the ground more. Yep, yep. Run it flush. Yeah. So you're just talking about products. It just came to my mind. So, you know, listen. We have a whole list of things that we want to do someday. Like if we had a limited amount of time and a limited amount of money, we'd have new things coming all the time. But the problem is the development of things, especially through COVID. Especially through COVID, you can have a million dollar idea and you can't touch it. You know, you just can't get the parts and pieces put together. So there's a little bit of that. What else you got, John? I know you're you're busy. You got what is it, Lake Murray? Your next derby? Yeah. So I've been studying. I've been studying. Are you pissed? You're pissed, are you? I'm focused. How about that? We'll just say I'm focused. There's no room to no no room to get mad. Just got to get focused and and uh, go fish freely. So I got Murray back to back Sandy Cooper Lakes, um, mm. Sandy Cooper Lakes, yep. uh, and then basically back to back again. We get one week off and then we go to Lay Lake. So what I plan on doing, which I didn't do for the first two events, uh, is I'm going to actually drive out to the classic next week so hey, that's what's going on we'll be at the classic next week we got oh, how did we forget that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we have to send me yeah. uh we have to send some times because i can put it out there that i'll be in the bass tank booth because i'll be going between beat down and pro guide and which you uh, that's all kind of companies that work together with you guys and the yep. bass tank uh you'll be there you since you're not fishing in the classic you'll be answering yep. questions a lot talking with people i'll be i'll be running the whole booth i'll be running the whole show so i'll be at the booth pretty much the whole time oh so uh, this is the me... last like this is the last couple of days that we get to see relaxed john <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah so we're, we're not going to go overboard this year and bring a bunch of stuff like we have in the last few years one we have a box truck that's down so that kind of helped and then uh but i'm going to tow my boat out there as well and I'm going to swing by and graph, scout, however you want to say it, Murray, Sandy Cooper. I don't think I'm going to do anything on Lay Lake, um, but I could. We'll see. I'm going to leave leave out Friday and go go look around. I think our cutoff for uh, Murray is uh, is Monday, uh, next next Monday. So I only got a couple days to go do some. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm preparing for this term. It's going to. At least lay lay my eyeballs on them, yeah. Instead of just showing up and when it's thirty five mile an hour wind and figure it, you can't run around the lake, you know. So, also wanted to let people know uh, that you and Bradley have really stepped up your social media and YouTube game this year on the Bassmaster Elite Series. It is the hookup with Soak Up, uh, and you have stuff out from uh, Seminole and Okeechobee and really good uh, high-quality stuff over there. So make sure to follow uh, John's and Bradley's uh, YouTube. You're traveling with a full-time camera guy too, right? And then kind of splitting the responsibilities there. 
Yeah, we are. So um, that's really cool. And I mean, you know, we don't ask enough, so I, I appreciate you asking for me. But yeah, please, please go subscribe to the channel. It's a big part of our relationships with sponsors. It's a big part. It's it's a big, big deal as a professional fisherman to figure out how to, to you know, monetize the business. And this is one angle that's really important to us. But we're doing everything we can to invest in the right camera guy, mm -hmm. editor, and, and all that. And yeah, there's it's a lot higher production than what we've done in the past. But, the, you know, the, the idea is to give everybody an insight of what we're going through in practice term a day outside of it, tips and techniques, things like that. And then, you know, I basically drop some shorts of some kind every single day, a little snip of, I think, I think I'll have one coming up here. I caught a couple nine and a half pounders the other day. Playing I around heard with that, that rumor. Camera. Yeah. I heard that rumor. rumor. Uh, <laughs> there's some of the, look at that. Super. Yeah. I mean, high end production quality stuff. Yeah. He's doing a great job. I have a, Hey, you fish. Whoa, what is that? Do you caught a oh you caught I a caught, needlefish? I caught a needlefish. I didn't I know did you could actually needlefish. land those things. You see how big that thing is? It looked like a snake, huh? It was folded up. And and you know what I found out about that needlefish? You know how we always we're throwing the swim worm, we're always like, they eat the needlefish. Those things are so soft and slimy. Man, it's really? like every big yeah, every big fish bait that you can think of, like a uh, a herring or a you know uh a gizzard or anything like that they're always slimy i think bass just love them going down their throat yeah i i thought they probably felt like a mackerel or something but they don't huh no they're pretty soft man soft and slimy but they still got little teeth at least they look like they did. i didn't even try to put my finger in there that's interesting god there was one other thing that i wanted to talk about before we wrapped up what was it and then i started showing the your youtube channel <laughs> it's okay no i think that was it i mean dude we covered a lot who's your classic uh pick who are you oh i haven't even gotten into that i need to call mark and i need to have him on a on a show um, hey i took I, I went out in the boat with jeffries this weekend too for a minute oh that was it people you've been in the boat with you posted a deal with jimmy houston yeah 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 so th this week was pretty cool it's gonna pretend like i'm fishing a lot but i'm really not tuesday i had a day on the water jimmy houston invited me out to his his lake because of the lucky strike arrangement and i, I signed with lucky strike right before the elites i mean like the week before matter of fact we had to like stop jerseys and everything like that and so you know he's got his red man spinner bait lucky strike red man spinner yeah. bait's been around forever and everything that he has so because of that i got an invite to go out there but we were going to meet until like one o'clock uh he takes care of Chris and he's got all these deer and all this stuff out there. This ranch is amazing. Amazing ranch. So we went out there. Uh, I say we, Joe LaBarber, uh, went out there and filmed about three or four hours on Arbuckle. And so caught a couple nine and a half back to back on at Arbuckle. We got that all on video, which will be coming out soon. Some of the coolest fish releases that you've ever seen. We got the coolest fish release that you've ever seen. Underwater camera footage of the, of, Above the water and below the water, I drop the nine and a half pounder underwater, and she goes like this and sits for a second, and then she does it. She jumps, back turns, and we get the whole thing out of the water, and then her coming back in the water. You see the whole thing. So that two cameras, I don't know one what above, I'm... one below. No, it's one camera. Oh, really? He got it. He shot the thing. Thing. 
had some kind of cover on the camera that allowed him to get above the water and below the water oh, at the same sick. time. It is. It, it's there's. I've never seen a shot like this before. But yeah, so we got those, and then uh, we went over to Jimmy's. Uh, it's a pond. That's not even the right way. It's a lake. I mean, it's yeah. a 110 acre lake, and you know there was beds everywhere. But you didn't have to worry about that because like this is grass in it. That never. I don't even know what he. He called it some kind of coontail, but it's not what I would ever call coontail. It was a grass that I've never seen in Oklahoma or anywhere for that matter. Get some kind of unique grass that's in it. And of course it's full of timber and it's 30 or 40 foot deep and there's just fish everywhere. I think we caught like, I caught like 50 fish in the four, four hours or so that we were out there. The average Jimmy's up. Uh, three, three pounders, probably wow. average two, three pounders. So I caught three sixes and uh, several fives and fours, but ended up, ended up with a 36 pound day that day. It was pretty cool wow. to put on the scales. Yeah. yeah. And then you got to take the one and only Mark Jeffries who tore himself away from the basketball court and the bowling alley to jump at the boat. Weren't you dialing yeah, we, them in? Yeah, he, he never yeah, he never uses units in certain ways and capacities and and uh so you know, it's Jeffries, right? So I took him out and actually went out about an hour before he got there and made sure things I could find some fish to show him until we found some fit, little pond right by my house, little bitty lake has zero potential of really big bass in it, um, hardly at all. I mean, as far as big amounts, but we found some fish, and he got to see the live scope in action for the first time. Or in his in his case, it was on his boat. He's got active target from mm -hmm. Lorant, so we caught some fish first time. It was his first time to see live in action and see a Did fish actually chase a bait. I think. I think he. I hope so. I would, it when did. I, take people I know out it did. That was a stuff. loaded question. Because okay. <laughs> he called, I, 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 well, I called him to see how his basketball team did because I hadn't heard anything. And he's like, no, dude, we freaking lost. We're on, to, we're on to bowling. I said, how did it go? And he's like, I've almost got a full team. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, not the college bowling coach thing, the basketball. He's like, oh, we <laughs> lost. He goes, dude, guess what I got to do? I got to go out with John. He goes, very first time in my life I've ever seen a fish on forward facing sonar eat something and he's like uh he goes i, I gotta give it up to you man you know how jeffries is he goes yeah. i gotta give it up to you man I've, I've, heard, I've heard a lot about it and i know you've been doing this for a couple years uh and i said well yeah well you know john hooked me up in 2019 so it's been more than a couple years <laughs> and he said uh he goes i got to be in the boat with the man he goes and it's a it's really really cool he goes and way harder than i thought it would be he right. goes but i also see the massive potential for it he goes so if you're if you're good at that he's like it takes a lot of skill he's like but i've I, he just kept going on and on about how it wasn't point and point and or click and play that yeah. it took some ability to do it, but then also how good you were at dialing in his stuff. He's like, I had no idea what I was looking at, but John made it. He's like, I actually saw <laughs> it, and we saw it react to the bait, and John caught one doing it. He's like, it was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool for me, too. It's cool for me, too, to break loose and give back to someone like Mark, who's given so much to the fishing world, and to spend the day with Jimmy Houston at his private lake. and Was Jimmy cool? I mean, afterwards. did you get to laugh and giggle? Did you get to fish with him at all? I didn't get in the same boat with him, but we rubbed boats next to each other. We both had cameras in the boats going on because we were doing content. And Jimmy is, uh, he he's just, 
he is who he is. There's there's no one like Jimmy. Like he, he's his ability to communicate constantly, <laughs> talk constantly, but in an entertaining, you know, way is like I could hear him across the lake when we separated. I could just hear him going, going. They asked him to do shoot a little thing about his Red Man spinner bait that's coming mm-hmm. out. The original Red Man spinner bait with the old r- rubber skirt. They're they're bringing it at the classic out, and I mean, so not to. Oh, there it is. One of them, one of the colors, anyways. So I yeah, think they that's were doing the actual. Con- that's an actual old school Redman spinner bait, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So they're bringing it back. Yep. So they they asked him to do a little, you know, hey, just talk about it for a second. It's like five minutes later. You know <laughs> what I mean? He's like, kind of, he's like, well, he started. I was like, well, in in high school, we used to. <laughs> that's where he starts, man. He's just one of a kind entertainer, and he's genuine. You know, Jimmy Houston is definitely one hundred percent who he is. He just, he just, uh, and I've looked up to him since I was a kid. So it was really neat, neat opportunity. That's a bucket list deal, John. Yeah, one hundred percent. Every once in a while, or when you or activity, whatever you want to call it, when you do, you have a day where you're like, man, you know what? The last like year and a half just sucked. Was worth it. Hey, I wouldn't <laughs> say suck, but just grind, right? was right. worth it for right. like that day, that moment. Right. And you're looking around yeah. and you're like, dude, I can't believe like this is actually happening. And I and like I'm getting paid to do it. That was a crazy thing <laughs> on top of it. You're like, wait a second, who's gonna wake me up and tell me that this is a deal and then you just have to play it cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be awesome to yep. be like Jimmy to get to the point where every day of your life you're making someone's day. Like Yeah. Could you imagine if everyone who met you was like, dude, guess what I did today? And then they tell that story for the next five years of their life. That's how you know you've arrived, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I, I, Jimmy Houston's, he's one of the legends. Yeah, he's been for on sure. detail. He was actually in, in studio at the uh, at the old deal. So, yeah, make sure to check out uh, thebasthank.com, T-H-E. B-A-S-S-T-A-N-K dot com for the, those uh, those March Madness deals going on there. Like I said, get in a live scope. Nine-inch screen, the whole nine yards for under two grand. Like, well under two grand. You could probably have it done and, like, installed and stuff for two grand. Wherever you choose to have that done. What else you got, John? Nothing, man. I enjoyed it. I watched you. I followed you in the opens. Rooting for you. So when you whenever your next event is, I'm on keeping up with the opens on the next schedule. Toledo Ben, Toledo Ben, the beginning, uh, middle of uh, April. It's going to be an absolute slugfest. One hundred percent, absolute slugfest. All right, I know you're busy. You got back, get back to work. So this has been <laughs> another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. We'll just keep you there for the outro for March thirteenth, twenty twenty three. Stop by the Bassmaster Classic. Look at John. Soak up social media to figure out where the Bass Tank booth is in Knoxville, and then follow me on Instagram at Matt Pangrak. I will also have the times and dates that I will be in the Bass Tank booth uh, that you can stop by, say hi, and check out what the Bass Tank has going on. We will talk to everybody. Oh, we got a good show tomorrow, John. Side pot fishing. I've been complaining about the open. Oh, yeah. I complained it. I said it. I've been yeah. constructive criticism on it. 
dude from side i think his name's luke luke schrader luke, it's luke schrader he fished the mpfl year one luke schrader yep, is going really to jump on guy. to talk about side pot fishing I, i've talked about it before i think mentioned it on the show before i think he's been on with serious angler last year anyway he's like hey man if you'd been signed up for side pot fishing you would have made like 383 dollars at the last event on you follow so you actually would have cashed some sort of check and i was like all right <laughs> it's time come on explain what the heck the deal is uh, and then I also just kind of want to get into his story, too. He's like, it's not a full show. Guess what? I think it's going to be a full show because the more I dug into it, he's a pretty interesting guy. For sure. And a great guy. Maybe maybe also a live show tonight, Monday night, with a well-known Bassmaster Opens angler who may or may not a top five. May or may not a top five. Maybe follow one. So, yeah, we'll see it. All right. This has been another edition of BTL. Thank you, John. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Later.